The Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is indeed taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1526 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 18, 1 through 20. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name, he welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? If he finds it, truly I tell, tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, 
tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This morning, the gospel begins with a question by the disciples of Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's Matthew 18, verse 1. Now, Jesus used this question as a starting point for describing the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and how the church should deal with the greatest in the kingdom and the magnitude the magnitude of forgiveness of sins that is set aside for the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Last week, the gospel described uh, the point in time when Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes, that he must be killed, and that on the third day he would rise again. And that is in Matthew 16, 21. And we remember what the response from Peter was, right? Now, shortly after that time, Jesus did take with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain uh, all by themselves. He left the others behind, and that is in Matthew 17. And in Matthew 17, 2, it says, And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Again, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 2. We covered that reading on the Sunday of Transfiguration quite a while back. That was at the end of the Epiphany season. And a few verses before today's gospel begins, we have um, another passion prediction. A passion prediction. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man 
is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. That's Matthew 17, 22, and 23. He is telling the guys, he's telling the boys what's coming. So Jesus has recently given some of the disciples a glimpse at his glory. And at least twice, he has told them of his upcoming suffering, his upcoming death and resurrection. You would think this. You would think that the disciples would be interested in the topic that Jesus just placed before him. Wouldn't you? His upcoming suffering and death and resurrection? Wouldn't you think they'd have more questions? You would think that they would have questions, but that is what you would think, but that is not what they asked. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Some of them had seen Jesus shining brighter than the sun and walking with Moses and Elijah. And yet, All of them had heard Jesus talk about his upcoming suffering and his death and his resurrection in Jerusalem. And that is the question that is on their minds. Now our Lord Jesus, he he never skipped a beat and he never missed a teaching opportunity. So what did he do? He called a child He called for a child to be brought amongst them, and he put this child where everyone could see him, and he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He further says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, 2 and 4. Jesus took the opportunity of their question to teach them That greatness in the kingdom of heaven is totally different. Greatness in the kingdom of heaven is totally different than the kingdoms, heavy on the dumbs, on this world. Right away, a lot of people are saying something like, oh, the innocence of youth. That is what Jesus was teaching He's pointing to a child because the child is so innocent. And I've got to admit that when my children are all decked out, all cleaned up, they can look pretty innocent. But you can ask me or anyone else who has raised a couple of kids, and you would hear the truth, and that is that children need to be taught to tell the truth because they are natural liars. Amen? And you must teach children to tell the truth. Uh, You need to teach children to share because they are selfish by nature. Amen? Mine! (laughs) Apparently nobody else had that happen in their house. I have seen infants. I have seen infants with murder in their eye. Little baby sinners. 
Well, I tell you what, you take that pacifier away from them, ooh, and they, yeah, maybe again, maybe it was only at my house. I don't think so. Children may look innocent, but we know they're not, right? And even King David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. As Psalm 51.5. So why did Jesus use a child as an example of greatness? Why? What is, what is so great and special about them? What can they do, a child, do for the kingdom? What can they do, a child, do for Jesus? And the answer, of course, is not a thing. And that's just the point. Children have no capacity for entering the kingdom of God and not much capacity for serving it. Children are helpless. We think of Jesus with the children, but those children never came on their own. They were brought to him. We know that in Scripture, in Luke 18, 15, it says, Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. Notice that someone brought the infants. They didn't come on their own. That's silly. So in today's gospel, Jesus put the child in the midst of them. And think, did the child really know what was going on in the situation? Of course not. Which again is the point. All the child knew is he was there in the presence and he was put there and it was a pretty okay place to be. But that's all. For when it comes to the kingdom and a right relationship with God, there is no room for human initiative. There is no room for human effort, for self-seeking, for self-promotion, for self-justification, for self-advocacy. None. None at all. In fact, that all gets in the way. All of that self forms obstacles to grace, and it misses the point entirely of how God wants to save us. And that God's way of saving us is by doing it all for us, himself, through his Son. So Jesus taught his disciples that the one who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who needs the most help. The one who's greatest is the one that needs the most help. The one who is totally helpless is the greatest in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. This is the opposite of this world where the one who gives the most help is usually the greatest. Right? That's how we measure greatness. So the one who is the most helpless comes under God's protection. And whoever causes one of these little ones, there's a warning, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe 
to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. Matthew 18, 6 and 7. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think, he asks, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Not one. You're one of those little ones that he called because he didn't want you to perish. And there's lots of little ones that are lost. And that the 99 that are, you know, penned up and relatively behaving don't really give a whack about that one, but God does. And he says so. Have you heard, are you aware that right now it's not in the news much, but the United States Marshal Service has been finding children that have been missing in huge numbers. In just the last week and a half, that's well over 100 children have been found. In one place, in a double-wide trailer, they found 50 children. These are the little ones that are being rescued now. And we need to be about praying for those back on track. Even the verse that deal with church discipline about the one, the brother or sister that sins against you, they're the lost ones. They're the ones that are the greatest in heaven. They need the most help. They are helpless. They have strayed. And Jesus teaches, if your brother listens to you, you have gained a brother. So the helpless are the greatest. And they are the perfect candidates for grace. That's you and me. Now at another time, Jesus said, whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave. And even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20, 26 and 28, God himself became helpless, humble, and lowly. The one who needs no one's help became not only a little child, but also a suffering and dying grown-up. The king of kings came down and humbled himself even to death on the cross to secure God's grace for the little ones. That's what it's meant when we've been given the power to be called the children 
of God. This sinful world seeks greatness through power. And Jesus himself said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That is the way of the world to get power and to use it to control others. The one who uses power and control the most effectively is the greatest according to the world's standards. And that's really nothing new under the sun, isn't it? Vanity above all vanity. Now, on the other hand, Jesus points to the helpless child as the standard of greatness in the kingdom of heaven, the one who is the most helpless, the weakest, the humblest, the lowliest, the most dependent on God, and the most reliant on Jesus. This is the greatest. There are times when the difficult life of bearing the cross beats down. There are times when the flaming darts of the evil one are especially fierce. And those who suffer these attacks are the little ones who are the greatest. Jesus said, whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. And in this way, the Holy Spirit, he works through the church to bear one another's burdens. We named one of the little ones, the ones in need, the ones that are probably feeling hopeless this morning. And we lifted her and her husband up in prayer. That is what is meant by the greatest. Then there is the way that all of us need to depend on God. Think about this for a moment. At the time that God and the Holy Spirit works faith in us, he must take us back into infancy. We are all helpless to save ourselves, and therefore we are like helpless children who need rescuing. And that is what the Holy Spirit does when he gives us the faith that relies on Jesus alone. I've had a heart attack. Many of you know that. I felt pretty helpless. And I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that um, even though I knew the Lord and professed Him, um, I was kind of full of myself. I was a, more of a fan of Jesus and of God than a follower. I mean... But it was at that time when I was dying that I submitted myself completely and my children and my wife into his hands and asked for whatever was left over, could you give me a little? I wish I didn't have to have had that situation. I wish I could hear the word and think the word and transform my heart. And it, and it has and it does but boy, did I need that sledgehammer sign. And it hurt. And because of that, when I speak of these things, or when I am, as your shepherd, aware of times and trials, uh, I can't help but think, okay, 
all right, because I wouldn't have done it that way 15 years ago. I understand why you allowed it to happen, because it gives me empathy that I wouldn't have had. I understand what a heart attack feels like. I also understand what it feels like to have a child die in your arms, my own son. I couldn't see any purpose in that, but boy, did I look back at it now and go, oh, I was the littlest one. I was the one that was the most hopeless. We're the ones that needed the most help. And I'm grateful that he brought us through that, and I'm grateful that he brings others through it because he can use that. He can use that for good. So here's the gospel bomb. When we were at our most helpless, when we were dead in trespasses and sin, and the Lord treated us as the greatest in the kingdom, he took on our weakness and he died that we might live. He rose that we might have eternal life with him forever. It is he, it is him, Jesus, who takes the most helpless and makes them the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.